Welcome to the Science of SaaS Startups podcast, where we talk with leaders across the world of tech startups. We'll be discussing revenue growth, leadership, funding, acquisition, and much more. This podcast is for anyone at a SaaS startup. Whether you're a new business hunter or founder, make sure you tune in and enjoy the episode. Before we get into it, make sure you hit like and subscribe. And don't forget to comment your views below. The Science of SaaS Startups podcast is brought to you by Venetech, a sales recruiter for high growth SaaS startups. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Science of SaaS Startups podcast. Today, I'm talking to Sven Eftinger. Sven is the co-founder and CEO of Gitpod. They're an open source developer platform. Sven, welcome. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. So I just want to kick things off by just asking you a few quick questions to help the audience get to know you a little bit as a person. So the first question is, what is your earliest memory as a child? (laughs) Okay. Uh, my earliest memory as a child, I think some, you know, strolling in summer surroundings near a lake. I think that's what what I often remember. Yeah. A very, very secure environment. Very nice. Lovely. Yeah. Nice. And, and what activity in your life makes you the happiest? Yeah, I still love nature. <laughs> so I, I really like going out. I'm a passionate kite surfer. So that's okay. one the one thing that really gets me into the flow instantly. Like I'm when I'm on the water, I've forgotten about all kind of work related things and anything actually. I'm just, you know, totally focused on 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 surfing. I have that same flow with programming when I I, I don't get to too much to do actual programming these days myself, but yeah, that's what I like about coding as well, like this flow state. Yeah. Yeah, we live on uh, the south coast in in the UK, and my family do a lot of paddleboarding, and uh, there's a huge amount of kite surfers uh, around here as well. It's so popular these days. Yeah, it is, yeah, especially since uh, Corona pandemic. Like everyone seems to picking up this sport, and others like I'm also doing, you know, um, a license for boats currently, and trying to find a boat. It is crazy. Like everyone want, seems to want to have a boat and, and a place where they can have their boat and so on. Yeah, I didn't think about that. It's a very COVID safe activity, isn't it? Like paddleboarding. So where did you eat the best meal of your life and what was it? Oh, Ooh, I have a really big passion for good food. So I have had a lot of good meals. I, yeah, I have a re- very good friend, one of my best friends. He's also a passionate cook. And I, I guess, you know, the surroundings is really great at his place. So he lives at a, at a lake and has a really big terrace and so on. And I have had a bunch of really good meals at his place. Okay. And it, that is like the last one I had like, just two weeks ago, it was sushi, like self-made sushi, very different to the sushi you would get in restaurants so okay yeah it's nice to have a friend who can like dish up that kind of stuff for you yeah and right now as we sit here what what are you looking forward to most just personally i guess again uh it is uh, i'm 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 
I'm moving places, so I'm I I moved to a, a small village out. Like I currently live in Kiel in nor- northern Germany. Uh, moved to a small village that is directly at my favorite beach, so I have a walking distance to kite surf, which is pretty cool. And then we are working on some pretty interesting things in in Gitpod itself, which are pretty exciting. And um, I, you know, I just yeah. I'm looking forward to get that shipped and and yeah. see that okay. in the hands of, of users. Yeah. So um, hopefully everyone's got a bit more sense of you as a person now. So if we if we jump into Gitpod, so do you want to kick things off by just giving us an overview of the company and and what you're trying to do? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Gitpod is a service or a platform that provides development environments, and a development environment is basically everything you need in order to start coding. So Currently, people would, in order to start writing software, there is, this is not easy, right? You would have to install a bunch of things on your machine in order to be able to code and run compilers and then run the actual written code as well. Like you need also dependencies, databases, application servers, things like that. And you do that on your local machine. And so this puts a lot of people off. And also it's, it's just an intimidating situation when you onboard, when you go back to an old project or to an old branch and so on. And Gitpod automates all this. So instead of writing documentation, telling others how to set up you know, an environment where you can code, you write that in code. So we basically embrace this infrastructure as code notion and so GitOps also. So you write, you describe your dev environment in, formally in a, in a YAML configuration, you also based on Docker and so on, and then you check that into Git. And that means that everyone in the team is instantly able to spin up a dev environment that then runs in the cloud and start you know, being creative, working, working with the code. And so that's a product. It is a SaaS service as well as a self-hosted. It is open source. And we see that as kind of the missing piece in, in modern DevOps pipelines. I mean, in terms of kind of setting up those kind of instant dev environments, are there other tools available or is Gitpod like pretty unique in that respect? No, this is a problem that has, you know, that has been around forever more or less. And there have been different attempts on different levels in the past. And I think what we do now is, you know, we combine the the latest tech like Kubernetes, but also really good browser-based IDEs like VS Code and put that all together with Docker and so on and have kind of a solution that now, you know, has very, like much more advantages than disadvantages, basically. So, you know, this, these things, they're all about compromises and so on. But in the past, the compromises were just too big. So people didn't want to give up their local machines because then they wouldn't, couldn't use their favorite IDE, for instance. So this is soft, right? And cloud were just not there, security issues and so on. So they have, what we are building is really on the shoulders of many others that have been diving into this before. But I think timing-wise now, we are really at a kind of a point where we bring all this together and being able to pioneering this into you know, the, the next level, really making that mainstream with a little help of GitHub who, who are inventing a very similar product line at the moment. 
I mean, what, one of the things occurred to me while I was kind of looking at what you guys are doing is it feels like, you know, the natural path of technology is democratizing opportunity. So kind of pulling down barriers, whether that be information or cost or just access. Is that how you feel with, with Gitpod, that this can open up opportunity to a much wider range of developers because you're pulling down, you know, the cost, time and, and resource barriers that, that would have stopped them getting involved in, in projects in the past? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is one angle that is super valuable. Like those in the, when you look at a, at a team, then you have, of course, the, the core engineers who work kind of eight, 10 hours a day in, the, in their dev environments. But then you also have a lot of people who don't end up in dev environments so often, like QA people, product people, and so on. They need to look into the code and sometimes do small changes and so on. But they don't do that on a kind of full-time basis. For those, it is you know super convenient to always know, okay, I just spin up a dev environment, it is ready to code, and I don't have to care, it just works. But also for the core developers, it frees up mental capacity that you don't have to resync with your Git repos and rebuild things. You, you just start from where you want to solve a problem. You can even run in parallel. Like a typical workflow with GetPod is, I have a longer feature branch where I work you know, a couple of days on, for instance. So I have a workspace running the, and I work in there just normal. And then I get a request from a colleague who asks for a code review. That's very, very common. Currently, what people do is they either have two copies of the repository cloned locally, or they need to you know, check out the, the changes they, they should review and stash their, uh, their current changes and so on. So it's really, there's a lot of friction in this. And with Gitpod, it's super easy. You just spin up another dev environment. You can have any numbers of dev environments in parallel, no problem. You start a fresh one, use it, and when you're done, you just close the browser tab or you just, yeah, you just stop using it. And then it's it's tiered down automatically and garbage collected by GetPod. So you don't have to care. You don't have to clean up after yourself. And it's super convenient. Yeah. Okay. And we, we've seen some like huge uh, commercial open source success stories and then other kind of open source software, which has never kind of followed that, that commercial path. You know, what, what's your plan with Gitpod? You know, do you plan to commercialize it or, you know, what, what's the future? Yeah, so Gitpod is open source. It is, it has an AGPL license. And of course, yeah, we, the plan is to commercialize it. Like we have, a, we are running a SaaS service with Gitpod and the self-hosted version, there is a free open source version but then there are additional features that were for which the source is only available, but it is not an open source license that for which you need an enterprise. So I said it is very similar to GitLab or MetaMost, those open source. Open core is is I think the, the name for this. Yeah. And and like how do you plan to go to market with that? Like um, you know, would, do you see yourself working through partners or building a you know a sales team? We are currently focusing on a bottom-up approach. I think in developer tools, it is super important to, you know, it is B2B business in the end because we are selling to companies and, and enterprise and so on. But the users are super important. Developers are smart. They really know what they 
one and they are you know kingmakers for a couple of years now like they are super important people in 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 companies and they have a say of what tools they want to use and whatnot and you know this fits very well with my developer background and i just want to build something that's that's useful and cool and fun to work with rather than primarily rather than primarily something that just sails and then it's not sustainable in the use. So we are focusing on the product and on the on the on the user base at the moment. But of course, we are also in touch with large enterprises and having some sales activity going on. But we are not currently not doubling down on that. Yeah. Okay. And we, we kind of briefly mentioned earlier just like how how much attention the, the DevOps industry in general is getting at the moment. I think it is second only behind cybersecurity in terms of kind of VC investment and, and rounds which are going into that. And we're seeing a lot of kind of automation tools hit, hitting the market in different areas, and also things like GPT three and OpenAI showing promise. There's being that that kind of software friend sitting on the shoulder of uh, developers. I'm interested in the mind of developers, like what aspects of the role do they really enjoy and, and what do they hate? Like what, what do they want to see automated away? And then what do they want to have the freedom to focus on? Or is every developer different and you know people like and enjoy different parts of the role? I mean, for sure it is different, but there are majorities or developers have a certain take on things. For instance, developers like being able to look under the hood. And so they like transparency. You know, they don't like magic that is kind of not clear or confusing, but they like to be the, ma- the magician themselves. Like, you know, you, 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 they want to have tools with which they can create magic, but not something that is strange or just happens and they don't understand that. So things need to be simple. I like the term orthogonal. So you can, you know, it like Lego bricks, you build something and you build something else, and then you can combine that to build new stuff that you haven't even thought of before as a product designer. I think these parts are important for for developers. But then, yeah, magic, if it's kind of unclear, it's not good. But if it's, you know, slick and fast and snappy and super simple and you you removed all the unnecessary steps that's of course what everyone likes not only developers and so that's still important for the ai stuff that's you know github just uh, announced their co-pilot stuff that is definitely a very interesting area also new space where there will be a lot lots of development i'm pretty sure uh, currently it seems a bit focused on generating lots of code. I would rather have that, you know, guiding me, writing good code. So give me more feedback about my code rather than specifically right. being, you know, super simple to generate legacy applications easily, so to say, right? I mean, yeah. lots of code is not is not generally a good thing. So that's I think that's a worry that many have that, the, that these tools would just make the copy and paste stack overflow approach uh, a bit more handy but i doubt they will go there like i think this is just the first the first step going with code completion here but what's also important is you know linting that means analyzing your source code and telling you things about the source code you now like statistically 
it is better if you write it like this and that. And that's super value. You want to you wanna have that. So I, I saw um, Sam Altman predicting recently that the price of work happening in front of a computer will decrease much faster than the price of work happening in the real world. I wonder, do, do you agree with that? Or you know, where, where do you see the development industry moving in kind of 5, 10, 15 years' time? You know, we have, at the same time, we are trying to simplify development but and also deployment pipelines and things like that. But at the same time, software is becoming more complex. Like there are more systems that interact with each other. We have, you know, larger cloud infrastructures. Kubernetes in itself is something that adds complexity and also to def, uh, to development itself. So I think these two tendencies kind of currently, you know, wave up to that there is not a big improvement. Uh, that like coding is still a lot of, that it still means a lot of kind of not so interesting work actually. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the interesting work uh, in coding is thinking about problems, building abstractions. That's the stuff that goes in your head when you need to tell that the computer, that's kind of the programming language and so on, then you formalize that. That's also fun, but not if, you know, there's too much friction around this, like the tools don't work as, as you want, or the programming language is just super verbose and requires you, you know, to, to write a lot of uh, stupid stuff and so on. And I think in that we need to become better. The problem solving and, pro and thinking about problems is something that will never, I think, completely go away. But uh, with AI, I guess we can get guided quite nicely in the future. In, in solving those problems. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to, to kind of switch up and talk more generally around the, the kind of startup life. So with um, with Gitpod at the moment, you've raised $60 million at the moment across two rounds of investment so far. And in recent years, we've seen the, the technology scene really start to explode in Europe. You know, for many, many years, it's been dominated by the US in terms of software and, and SaaS. But now every day, it feels like we're seeing kind of exciting new startups coming from all over Europe and, and especially Germany. I just wondered, you know, do you put that down to anything specifically or is it just cultures changed and people getting more interested in these topics? I think it is, you know, there's a lot of talent here. And that's why the money moves here a bit more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's the key point. Yeah. You know, there's like Silicon Valley, it's really hard for talent, like to, you know, to to find talent as a it's start. So expensive. Yeah. And then you, you know, you you go out and of course and there are other interesting areas in, in the US, but uh, Europe is a very interesting area in itself. Like we have good good culture, good people, smart people good universities here. So yeah, it makes sense that that this just happens. So do you think like previously all of that talent was moving to America or is it we're doing a better job in Europe now of kind of producing that talent, you know, teaching kids at an earlier age? I think both previously because the money and the interesting jobs were in, in US people, a lot of people moved to the US and now a lot of people don't need to do that. Like I myself, I don't need to move to the US in order to build something interesting together with a bunch of smart people. 
I think it would have been much harder to find this kind of funding a couple of years ago. Okay. And can you elaborate on how Gitpod came into being? Like, what was it a spin out of Typefox or what was the, the relationship there? Yeah. So, Typefox is a uh, company I founded together with two friends who are also founders of Gitpod, I think five or five years ago. And it is a consulting firm for developer tools. So, we had we are very specialized in Typefox for engineering tools like, you know, even we built compilers, um, interpreters, stuff like that, IDE extensions and so on. Really only that, which means it, it has been an, inter, an international company from, from the beginning because we are so specialized. And so we were engaging with lots of like ran our own open source projects, but also supporting um, and contributing to others and build for various clients interesting IDEs. And there were you know, also cloud IDEs involved and, and, and things like that. And just from doing that and having the wish, like uh, instead of putting our talent to various different clients and, you know, and, and building products for them, I'd rather you know, have more kind of a, a team feel where we build something cool for us, like the thing that we really want to build. Yeah, eventually we just, uh, we just decided, hey, let's, let's build this. Like, you know, it's about time. We know all the, all the ingredients. We know web IDEs well. We know cloud infrastructure well and so on. We can put this together and then it, we can solve this problem. This is, it's about time that this problem is really solved in that way. And yeah, we started that, I think that's already four years ago or so when we initially started developing that within Typefox. And then mm -hmm. I think two years or so, last, last summer, we founded Getpot as, as its own company and, and moved over um, the software and, and the assets. And did that give you any hesitation, like committing to, to Gitpod in the middle of a pandemic? Or was it like the opportunity demands to be taken now? You know, we were quite successful with the fundraising and then there were no other concerns regarding the pandemic. I think that was the biggest question mark because we, we've we been a remote team anyhow. The product makes more sense in a, in the world where people don't go, go to their office every day. Yeah. And so if, you know, there were some funds who had a bit of an issue because it's all of all this uncertainty to to raise their own money, basically. And so, you know, that was there was this question, but we really never felt that. Like everyone was, you know, super interested. We had really good conversations with many with many partners and so on, and fundraising went super well. So no, there was actually it was interesting because you know. I haven't yet met any of the investors in person. Like this is all video. They just hand, handed you the check. <laughs> Not even handed, right? I have. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah. So um, how did you um, how did you find the fundraising process? You know, because I, I presumably you've not been through this kind of major fundraise before. Like, how did you go about developing the right connections? And you know, what advice would you give a first time founder? Yeah. Network is everything. It is so, it is really interesting. But uh, when I first started, 
I had no connections into the VC space. I was uh, well connected in the development world, in the open source world, and so on. And and from there, I knew a, a, a few entrepreneurs who who could give me a, a make me an intro to some investors. But that in the beginning, like it was really the same pitch. Like I started with a certain pitch in the beginning. It was pretty, yeah. The the feedback was oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, and you know they are always nice, but you know. It's not interesting enough for them in the case and so on. But I haven't changed the pitch. What has changed is that I got more and more connected over time and eventually had another founder joining uh, who, who came from the VC world and had very, very good connections, actually. And through that, at some point, there was this, you know, this... You know, VCs talk with each other also all the time, and, and, club, and yeah. so at some yeah, at some point they they came to us and asked for meetings, and and then it was still the same pitch, but it was super easy. So you know, everyone was was interested, and so you you need to get this kind of FOMO thing rolling in the, in the VC community, I think uh, somehow. So if you so, uh, how did you, if you have many people, who, yeah. How did you come to meet that um, the founder who who is kind of connected into the VC industry? Uh, that was yeah, Johannes. I met him. He was a, an associate with with the fund we were talking with, and so he found GetPod at some of the conferences and reached out to me and was interested. Um, he just really saw and, the the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had an issue due to the pandemic and so on. So we we didn't really get together with the fund. But then your Johannes and I like we we thought okay that would be very complementary having someone from this from the space also he's generally pretty smart and pretty good and so we we just decided okay let's you know join forces and, and do this together which I haven't regret yet so it's yeah. really, really good, good, <laughs> like a good decision. so that would be another recommendation if you have only technical founders find someone who is, you know, very business oriented and is really has, has this kind of, yeah, this energy for, for especially when you do a VC-backed um, startup, right? Then yeah. you, you need to really also talk a lot with, with VC folks and, 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 and keep them updated all the time and so on, which is a, it's a lot of work. And so you should love that work. So just a final question. So I, I like to, to ask this to everyone. You know, what would your, your message be for any kids out there who've got a big idea and, and no idea what to do with it? You know, would you recommend they run for the hills because startups are too crazy? Or, would, you know, what would you say would be the first practical steps to, to get them on the right path to, to really building something? I would recommend always build the simplest thing that would tell the story you are trying to explain. Like, you know, you, sometimes you have an idea, you go someone, explain that, you know, showing is always better. So you, you know, you can try invest a day and build a prototype and then show that to people. It's, it is much better. Also, it informs yourself. So I always like these going small steps and just doing the next reasonable thing instead of having looking at, at the horizon having big plans but no no idea how to reach that or so and of course uh, really you do that for the money or for 
this success feeling or so, but really because you think that's it's a great idea and you have fun building this solution. Perfect. Okay, well, it's uh, been really great having you on, Sven. Thanks for, for joining us today. If people want to get in touch and, and discuss Gitpod, what would be the, the best channel to do that? Is it LinkedIn or, or website or email? Yeah, on the website, we have a few channels. Uh, we have a community.gitpod.io, which is a chat. And then, of course, our open source repo is on, is on GitHub. So you can also communicate with us there or on Twitter. There are many ways, but the typical ones, I would say, the, the ones you would expect. The website okay. is gitpod.io. Perfect. All right. Okay, well, all the best for your, your next stage of growth, and it'll be really exciting to, to see where the company goes. Thank you, Ben. Have a nice weekend. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Science of SaaS Startups podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit like and subscribe. And don't forget to comment below. The podcast is brought to you by Venetech, a sales recruiter for high-growth SaaS startups. Get in touch with Ben Jackson if you're looking for a new role or to add sales talent to your team.